Hello? Can you still hear me? Hi, everyone. This is MC Owens. If you'd like to support the Lotus Underground and these Dharma transmissions, please consider becoming a Patreon member. You can go to patreon.com backslash mcowens or follow the links at lotusunderground.com. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the... This is another MC Owens transmission. Hello? And welcome back to the Lotus Underground. I'm MC Owens, and this is part two of my series on the Noble Eightfold Path. Uh, today I'm going to be talking about uh, Samo Sankalpo or Samyak Samkalpa. This is what is usually translated as right intention or right resolve. And I'm going to be reading from a sutra today to try to get at the heart of what right intention or right resolve is. Um, in many ways, I should have probably read this sutra during the for the first part of this series because, you know, I went looking for a sutra or a sutta, actually, a Pali sutta, one of the original suttas, and I went looking for one that would deal exclusively with this idea of samkalpa. Um, I've been kind of curious about this idea of samkalpa, the second step on the Noble Eightfold Path. Um, and unfortunately, unlike right view, samyak samdrishti, this, um, the first step on the Noble Eightfold Path, I was able to find a sutra just about right view. And so I did that one last time for the first part of this series. But unfortunately, there is not a a right intention sutta. There is not a sankalpo sutta. Um, and so when I went looking for a sutra to read for this series, uh, I came across, uh, this is from the Samyutta Nikaya. That's the connected discourses of the Buddha. Uh, and if you have the Wisdom Publication Edition, uh, this is Samyutta Nikaya Sutra number 45, part 8. And I think it's on page 1528 of the Wisdom Publication Edition. Um, this sutta, it's a very small sutta, but it's just called An Analysis of the Eightfold Path. And again, I probably should have started with this one since it is a very nice summary of the Eightfold Path. Um, and so I'm just going to go ahead and do that one today and focus on the idea of right intention or right resolve, this idea of samkalpa. Uh, again, it's a tricky word, and I was trying to find a better definition or a better even etymology of that word, and I haven't been able to come across it yet, so stay tuned for that. Um but again, this is the second step on the Noble Eightfold Path. And the idea is, so this is our introduction to Samkalpa, to the idea of the second step. And again, it's usually translated as right intention or right resolve. And in some instances, you might even translate this as a, as a, as a vow, as like making a vow or again, setting an intention. And there's even a lot of um, talk these days in sort of more new agey circles, I guess, or even actually just even corporate circles, but the idea of intention setting. 
this idea of that before one begins a process or before one begins something, one sort of sets an intention. <clears throat> and that's a good way actually to think of sankalpa. Um, within yoga circles, I have heard sankalpa spoken of as uh, the thought before you start thinking. And that's kind of a nice idea. <clears throat> this idea of it's it's a preliminary thought. Again, that's where it's subtler than a thought, though. It's an intention, a, a resolution. It's another good example is uh, I, in uh, we make New Year's resolutions, right? Those are sort of intention settings for the year. Um, but that idea that one sets this intention at the beginning of a year, you, you make a New Year's resolution to avoid doing something or to make a point to do something. And by setting that intention or making that resolution, that resolve, now all subsequent actions, subsequent thoughts, subsequent speech, subsequent everything will be arising from that intention from that resolve. And I think that's very much the point of the second step of the Noble Eightfold Path. And if you look back to the first part of the series, if you look back to the first step of the Noble Eightfold Path, the first step is this idea of right view. And, you know, it, it's, um, I don't want to repeat anything I said from last time, but I do want to remind you that I made the, the, the analogy, I suppose, that if the Eightfold Path is an actual path, an actual path leading somewhere, and we're going to start walking down that path, you can think of right view, the first step of the Noble Eightfold Path. Right view is this idea of, well, I had put it last time as making sure you're facing the right way, you know, making sure you're drishti, your view of this world, your worldview, that that needs to be established. And, in, and indeed, <clears throat> in the language of Buddhism, it needs to be the right view. And that idea of needing to set that view straight first, again, it makes sense <clears throat> if you think of this literally as a path. But now, once one is established in right view, that one is sort of headed the right way or facing the right direction, now one sets that right intention or that samkalpa. And so I'm going to, again, I want to read this sutra. And although this sutra is actually going to cover all eight steps of the Noble Eightfold Path, I, again, I probably should have done this during the first part of the series of just laying out the whole Eightfold Path. <clears throat> so I apologize for this kind of haphazard way of going about this. But um, so again, this is going to be Samyutta Nikaya Sutta 45, number eight. And it's just called an analysis. And it is an analysis of the Eightfold Path, but the sutra is actually just called the Analysis Sutra, I suppose. Um, and again, it's pretty small. Um, and the main reason why I wanted to read it again is because I was looking for a very clear Buddha-approved definition of samkalpa. And this seems to be one of the uh, kind of earliest direct 
explanations by the Buddha of each of the eight, each of the steps on the Eightfold Path. So I think it's helpful for that. But in particular, it'll be helpful for hearing exactly what right intention or right resolve samkalpa is. So, thus have I heard one time at Shravasti, the Buddha said bhikshus. I will teach you the Noble Eightfold Path and I will analyze it for you. Listen to that and attend closely. I will speak. Yes, Venerable One, the bhikshus replied. And the Blessed One said this. And what bhikshus is the Noble Eightfold Path? Right view. Right intention. Right speech right action, right livelihood, right effort, right mindfulness, and right concentration. And what bhikshus is right view? Knowledge of suffering, knowledge of the origin of suffering, knowledge of the cessation of suffering, and knowledge of the way leading to the cessation of suffering. This is called right view. And what bhikshus is samkalpa, right intention? Intention of renunciation, intention of non-ill will, intention of harmlessness. This is called right intention. And what bhikshus is right speech? Abstinence from false speech, abstinence from divisive speech, Abstinence from harsh speech, abstinence from idle chatter. This is called right speech. And what it and what bhikshus is right action? Abstinence from the destruction of life, abstinence from taking what is not given, abstinence from sexual misconduct. This is called right action. And what bhikshus is right livelihood? Here, a noble disciple, having abandoned a wrong mode of livelihood, earns his living by a right livelihood. This is called right livelihood. And what bhikshus is right effort? Here, bhikshus, a bhikshu generates desire for the non-arising of unarisen, unwholesome states. He makes an effort, arouses energy applies his mind and strives. He generates desire for the abandoning of arisen evil unwholesome states. He generates desire for the arising of unarisen wholesome states, and he generates desire for the maintenance of arisen wholesome states, for their non-decay, for their increase, their expansion and fulfillment by development. He makes an effort arouses energy, applies mind, and strives. This is called right effort. And what bhikshus is right mindfulness? Here bhikshus, a bhikshu dwells contemplating the body in the body. Ardent, clearly comprehending, mindful, having removed covetedness and displeasure in regard to the world. He dwells contemplating sensations as sensations, Ardent, clearly comprehending, mindful, having removed covetedness and displeasure in regard to the world. He dwells contemplating mind states as mind states. Ardent, 
clearly comprehending, mindful, having removed covetedness and displeasure in regard to the world. He dwells contemplating dharma as dharma, ardent, clearly comprehending, mindful, having removed covetedness and displeasure in regard to the world. This is called right mindfulness. And what bhikshus is right concentration? Here bhikshus secluded from sensual pleasures, secluded from unwholesome states, a bhikshu enters and dwells in the first jhana, which is accompanied by thought and examination, with rapture and happiness born of seclusion, with the subsiding of thought and examination, one enters and dwells in the second jhana, which has internal confidence and unification of mind, is without thought and examination, and has rapture and happiness born of concentration. With the fading away as well of rapture, one dwells equanimous and mindful and clearly comprehending one experiences happiness with the body. One enters and dwells in the third jhana, of which the noble ones declare, one is equanimous, mindful, one who dwells happily. With the abandoning of pleasure and pain, and with the previous passing away of joy and displeasure, one enters and dwells in the fourth jhana, which is neither painful nor pleasant, and includes the purification of mindfulness by equanimity. This is called right concentration. <clears throat> and that, my friends, is the end of the sutra. As you can see, or as you heard, it is a very short sutra. It's a very direct, simple explanation of each of the steps of the Noble Eightfold Path. Um, for anyone kind of interested in that kind of original, clear definition, I think this is a great sutra to refer to. Um, and I just want to take a few steps back and just talk a little bit about this idea of samkalpa, this idea of the right intention or the right resolve. So the sutra, of course, lists right intention or right resolve as being defined by the intention of renunciation, the intention of non-ill will, and the intention of harmlessness. So just three criteria. One is this intention of renunciation. One is this intention of non-ill will, or also non-hatred in that way. And then the third is the intention of non-violence or ahimsa. And those are the, those are the three. And this is where you, where you really get into you know, interpretation and indeed analysis of these things. Of course, traditionally, the intention of renunciation was effectively to become a monastic, to become a monk or a nun, to renounce the world, to leave home, as they would say in Buddhism, to leave one's family, to leave one's homed life, and to go into homelessness. Um, 
that was sort of the idea of the right intention. Now, I think it's important to keep in mind that in even in this original old way of thinking about it, the intention might be in a future lifetime. Like you, you may be a, a lay person or a householder and still be practicing Buddhism in the sense that you have the right intention to one day renounce. <laughs> maybe, maybe not today or tomorrow, but that's my uh, intention, like that kind of idea, again, of a New Year's resolution. Um, but there's also a way, too, to read that, and it's it has been read this way, which is not so much the intention of renunciation in the sense of becoming a monastic, but the intention of renunciation of attachment, the renunciation of clinging, the renunciation of that desire. So there's a way of looking at the first of these three, the intention of renunciation, as really dealing with the affliction or the klesha of greed, of this raga, this this desirousness and attraction. And this wanting things from this world, wanting satisfaction from the things of this world, wanting delight from the things of this world. And no matter how you slice it, the idea is needing, wanting, or being dependent upon the things in this world. And there's a way in which this initial intention is the intention to not be dependent upon the things in this world not seeking one's delight, happiness, and joy from the things of this world. And so that that movement, which, you know, could take many forms, I would imagine, different for each of us, but that idea of the intention of renunciation, I think could be understood as that intention to renounce desire, greed, attachment, and only in certain instances would it actually be a a giving away of everything that you own an actual shaving of the head an actual renunciation in that way but i would really you know i would suggest really thinking of it as not even a spectrum i, I would definitely not uh, encourage thinking of a monk or a nun as the real renunciant and that the homeowner or the layperson is just hoping for renunciation. Um, I would really hope that you can see this a little more subtly than that, uh, at least as far as it has to do with that first one of the intention of renunciation. And so if you put it in that framework of the right intention is this intention to renounce, meaning renouncing covetousness, clinging, and desire, meaning the klesha, that first klesha, then you can kind of see the Buddha's second uh, suggestion here, which is it's the intention of non-ill will, the intention of non-hatred. Um, this, of course, is also one of the kleshas, one of the afflictions, one of the defilements of the mind. And so the idea is, is that one makes that... Um, you know, I, I should stop calling it a New Year's resolution. It's like a, a, a new life resolution, right? <laughs> That's a way to a way to think of the, this uh, noble eightfold path is it's a, a new life resolution. And so the new life resolution is this idea of avoiding ill will, 
avoiding anger, avoiding uh, getting upset in that way. And of course, again, like I've been saying, anger, ill will, this is one of the kleshas, one of the defilements of the mind. And so the practitioner setting off on the Noble Eightfold Path sets this intention, makes a resolution to put down, to end ill will, anger. And, you know, I think it's important to keep in mind what the reference is here. This is a a resolution, an intention. It's a vow. And so it is just that, an intention. Action, the actual actions that one takes is another step on the path. But again, this is just the, the thought before the thought, as they say. And so we are setting off on this path, on this practice, with the intention of not getting angry. And the third recommendation of the Buddha for right intention or right resolve is this idea of the intention of ahimsa, the intention of harmlessness. Now, this, of course, is is another aspect of, of Buddhist morality, I suppose you could say, right? Also an aspect of right action, as we will see uh, in a few sessions here to come. Um, But the idea of ahimsa or harmlessness, this is, you know, key to the path, key to the practice. And one, one sort of example that I give a lot when thinking about, uh, in particular, resolution uh, samkalpa, an example that I often give is in my Dharma talks is being a vegan. And there's this, and, and, and I often say when I relate this story that I too was a vegan for a very long time and sort of one of those very card carrying members of the vegan community. And what you could say is, is that I identified very strongly as a vegan And I won't sort of bore you with all the details of how I stopped being a vegan, but the idea is is that I eventually came around to this realization that being a vegan in that way was just sort of about my identity. And what I'm getting at was is that what I realized was is that one can set as an intention, make a resolve, to avoid harm, ahimsa, this is this intention or resolution to avoid harm, this intention towards harmlessness. And I think that there's a way in which, as a Buddhist, in that way, one can make a vow of harmlessness. And if that's your vow, you're sort of covered as far as Uh, uh, violence towards animals and things like that goes. In other words, there might be a way to look at these, you know, uh, identifications, whether it is uh, political identifications, being part of this party or part of that party, or even religious identifications, being a member of this church or that church, 
or dietary, right? Uh, being this type of a diet person, being that type of a diet person. From a Buddhist point of view, again, there's a way in which all of that can be very well supportive of a sense of self, supportive of an ego. And at the end of the day, maybe one doesn't need to have those identifications in order to be nonviolent. And so that's, I guess that's just what I'm getting at is that there's a way in which this samkalpa, the setting of an intention very, very early on in the practice, it's almost sort of like it becomes a, you know, a, a program running in the background so that every decision and every action, indeed every word out of one's mouth is now well, has a greater chance of being in line with that intention uh, or that resolve in that way. And so that's sort of this, uh, the important part of this second step on the Noble Eightfold Path, which is setting the right intention. And as I just uh, read here, according to the Buddha, that intention or that resolve is regarding renunciation, avoiding ill will, and avoiding harm. Uh, three very, uh, very, very important aspects of the practice. And so one last word about this idea of right intention or right resolve. Again, I would suggest, I would suggest thinking of the, the, the metaphor of the path. I would suggest taking it literally. And this idea that it, this is the path that leads to the cessation of suffering in that way. And so, again, going back to the first step on the path, which is establishing right view. And it's that idea, like I said, that one sort of needs to be facing the right direction or be sort of looking the right way before one sets off on this path. Because if you're not facing the right way, you're going to be going the wrong direction. So check. First step on the path is to have the right drishti or the right view. A way to think of this next step, the samkalpa, is that if you're going to walk down this path, you got to be doing it for the right reasons. And that's what I would suggest thinking in terms of what does it mean to say the right intention versus say the wrong intention. And indeed, you know, there's many ways in which one could go about this the wrong way. But you could see it just in terms of, of uh, like I was just saying regarding veganism or something like that. If these things are in, sel in, in self-interest in that sense, that might be the wrong intention in that sense. Versus the right intention, again, is this sort of non-violence towards others, non-hatred towards others. And in, indeed, the first is, is about non-greed towards others. You know, so re renunciation in that way would definitely be renounce, re renouncing, stealing, renouncing, taking what is not given and all of that. And so I just want to point out again this relationship between how these things are going to build up as we move through this series that you begin by establishing this right view so that you are then able to establish the right intention and begin walking down this noble eightfold path for the right reason. And so 
that will conclude this uh, short second uh, session on the Noble Eightfold Path on the second step of Samkalpa or Right Intention. Uh, I um, hope you'll stay tuned for part three when we discuss Right Speech. Thank you for tuning in.